with some insecurities, right? She says, I don't really think I'm that beautiful. My body is darkened by the sun. But he came and loved through those insecurities. He said, man, to me, you're the most beautiful woman on the planet. And they spent some time together and they set some standards, though. They said, listen, I like you and you like me, but we're not going to arouse love before it's time. We're not going to go there physically. And they just let this attraction for each other develop based on some good things, godly things. And again, I remind you, this is God's book to us on this subject. So they weren't perfect, but then, they, but there were some elements there that God wants us to get. Like, hey, if you want to be attractive and what you should be attracted to are some things like this, that people should be able to trust you and you shouldn't uh, run people down and you should spend time with one another. And all of these things go into some good attraction. And then they go from their attraction into a committed relationship or courtship, or you could say they get engaged. And they go through these different levels of engagement. The first one being perfection, you know, because she's like, look at my, look at my stud, my stallion, she calls him. He's leaping across the mountains like a gazelle. And he's ripply, he's losing some of his hair, but still pretty amazing. And uh, she's just talking about how perfect he is. And he talks about how perfect she is. And they're in that perfection. But then they move into preparation. And for 12 months, you know, he had to build this house and his daddy had to oversee the building of this house and make sure that he was prepared to be a spouse for his lady and then they move into purity and again they close the same way again they said let us not arouse love until the right time it's not time yet we're just engaged we can't go there yet and Solomon is the one that says hey let's not go there so this this guy, he initiates, hey, there is a line. We don't want to cross that line just yet. But now we're to the line. Yes. Yes. Now, into chapter 4, we have arrived. So this will be kind of PG, but I'm not going to like embellish it. But I'm not going to dial it down either. Uh, just I'm gonna, We're going to read it the way it reads. And it's spicy. I mean, it's like, for real. Like, it's good. So uh, we're going to read it the way that it reads. We're going to go through it. We're going to look at it. And, uh, and, and one reason why that this is important is because this is, what, this is one thing that the church needs to be doing. The church needs to be having these conversations. And uh, we don't have them enough. And uh, parents need to be having these conversations. Because if you don't use your voice, then there is a voice that's being used. Uh, if the church doesn't have a voice in this arena, then they lose by default. Or in other words, we forfeit whenever we don't say the right stuff. And God gave us this book, right? And he talks to us about this. And this is a major facet of, of our lives I don't care how old you are. I've already had the talk with my 10-year-old. I didn't think I was going to have to have the talk with a 10-year-old, but my 10-year-old already started talking, right? I already heard from the teachers at school, listen, this is what Noble and the other boys have been talking about on the playground. So then I had to, I had to do the deal, right? Yeah, it was rough, right? And there wasn't nothing fun about it, right? My wife comes to me, she says, you got to talk to him. I was like, Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. She says, no, bro, this is what, no, no, babe. She didn't say, bro. She said, babe, 
this is David, this is going on at the school. So I did what any good dad would do. I took him golfing. And uh, so we're riding in the golf cart and just kind of uh, laid it out there and said, hey, what you, what you been talking about? And, of course, he turned all the colors of the rainbow. And uh, so just kind of put it out there because he didn't know what he was talking about, had no idea. And uh, so I said, hey, this is, this is the way this thing works. And his mouth fell really open, like really. And he thought that I was joking or kidding or that that possibly couldn't be that way. And then he went home and asked his mother. He said, did daddy do that to you? And, uh, and she, she was like, yep, <laughs> he did. That's how you got here. And you could see the wheels have been turning ever since. Every time he watches the hunting channel or the nature channel, now he's just like, is that? I'm like, yeah, bro, that's it right there, man. That's, that's what's going on right there. So, and he's just 10, right? I mean, this is, I, I have an 8-year-old. My 8-year-old, eight, my eight we're riding down the road. This is, I guess, last week or two weeks ago. She says, she says do you know what a gecko booty is? Gecko. Do you know what a gecko booty is? That's what my eight-year-old asked me. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? That's a girl with a big booty. She has a gecko booty. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, Ansley, let's change the subject, darling. Let's, she's eight. Where did she hear? Where, 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 where are these conversations arising from? Listen, they're out there. I can tell you that the, the world has a voice, and if the church doesn't speak its language and say what needs to be said, then, the, then we don't have a voice. So that's why we're going through this. We're going to go through it. We're, we're going to give uh, a voice to it. And I encourage you as a parent or whatever, this is something that needs to be uh, gone into. Because the world, the world uh, it says a lot. And it's not just this generation, because I know sometimes we think, man, this generation is really immoral and stuff like this. Listen, my generation wasn't much better. You know, I had Madonna. How many of y'all remember Madonna? Like a virgin, touched very, 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 very first time. How many of y'all remember that? And I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just saying sometimes we think that this generation is, is listen, the last generation wasn't much better. And we're seeing the fruit of it. We're seeing the results of it. Even within the church, we aren't any better really staying together than non-Christians are. So, so the church needs to... To, to give some voice to it. Why? Well, because there's lots of deceptions out there, right? And, and kids pick up on it. Young people, uh, even 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds, people singles, everybody picks up on it. Listen, a Lady Gaga, you know, singing, I was born this way. Or, or you got Katy Perry singing, I kissed a girl and I like it. Listen, and I'm a pastor and I know the song, right? How do I know it? Because she's singing it in Times Square on the Today Show, right? It's every, I kissed a girl and I liked it. I know that and I preach every Sunday. Your kids know it. And yet if we stay silent, then we lose by default. In other words, if we don't use our voice, then we won't have a voice. And, and the world's voice is really loud. And I put in your worship guide just a couple of deceptions that the world uh, wants, to, wants to feed us. And one of them is, the first blank is, is that, that, that man defines it. Or in other words, they believe that they define marriage. But I got news for them and everybody else. They can't define it because they didn't create it. God defines marriage. He defines it as a man and a woman who are married. Not just a man and a woman, but, but he defines marriage as a husband and a wife in marriage. 
then that is a marriage, right? So you, they'll try to tell you, yeah, but we get to define what marriage is. And marriage in 2016 can look like this, or it can look like that, or it can look like this. But, but they didn't create it. God is the one that said, let a, a, a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. So, so God is the one that defines what marriage is. Right and, and society and our the world that we're living in, they try to redefine it and they try to spin it and twist it and all that kind of stuff. And, and one reason is is number two, not only do they define it, but but they'll tell you, and you can't help it. We get to define it, man defines it, and you can't help it. It doesn't you can't help the way that you feel. You can't help who you like. You can't help who you're attracted to. God made you that way. You can't help it. If it feels good, do it. But I don't know about you, but if I did everything that felt good, I'd be in a world of trouble. Right? So, so we, aren't, we, we aren't supposed to do just what feels good. We do, uh, we, we're led by conviction, not feelings, Right? If we listen, if I do whatever whatever feels good, I wouldn't have made it here this morning, right? I'd be leaning over the sink, probably in my underwear, eating ice cream, right? Scaring my kids. My kids would be like, "Dad, how many of your dad walked around in the underwear?" I've become that man. Uh, scared my children. Dad, shut up. It's my house. I paid for it. You'll be gone in six years. But, hey, I don't have the luxury of doing what I feel, right? But they'll tell you, hey, if it feels good, if you're attracted to that person, there's nothing wrong with that. that, 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 that that's, that's normal, right? That, that's the way that, that God, uh, God made you. And even these people that don't believe in God will say, hey, that's the way God made you. That's not the way God made you. God made you to live. I'll tell you, right, I'll tell you it's in your worship guide, Matthew chapter 4. This is Jesus' words. Jesus said, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Or in other words, Jesus said, man is not designed to live by his appetites. Man is not designed to live by just what satisfies him. Bread satisfies, and, and you get hungry, and you have these appetites, and you get hungry for all types of different things, and, and these appetites get real strong, really, really strong. But Jesus here, he says, I didn't design you to live by your appetites. I designed you to live by the Word of God. I designed you to live by the Spirit of God. And he says, and that's, that's, if you'll live that way, then you'll have God's best. But the world comes around, man, these appetites get really strong. We think, man, I want that. I want to, I want to touch that, taste that, look at that, that. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. God said, I never designed you to live like that. I designed you to live according to me. And if you'll live according to me, he says, I'll give everything else that you could ever possibly want, need, hope, or desire. He says, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. The last one is, is it's only physical. So they tell you, man defines it, you can't help it, and then they'll tell you, it's only physical. In other words, whenever you're having sex, it's just a physical thing, right? There's nothing to it. There's, it's just totally physical, right? I mean, it's just like wham, bam, no big deal, play the field, just uh, whatever you want. If it feels good, do it, but 
it's not only physical. And the reason that I, the way that I know that it's not only physical, one, one reason is, is God didn't consider you married until you consummated the marriage. In other words, whenever you get married and, and you go to the courthouse and sign a paper, all of that stuff is good uh, for the state. It's good for the federal government. But in the eyes of God, you're not married until the marriage is consummated. Well, it must be more than just physical if God sees it that way. God sees it as a spiritual contract. He sees it as a soulish, emotional contract. Lastly, it's a physical, it's a physical contract. And, and uh, furthermore, if it was just physical, why is it so hard to move beyond? In other words, if, uh, if, if someone is sexually assaulted... Why does that stay with them year after year after year after year after year? Why do some people never move beyond that assault? If it was just physical, then when they felt better, they would be over it. But how I many y'all know that when I feel that, that it doesn't just end when they feel better? No, this stuff plagues them year after year. They can never get beyond it. Outside of the grace of God, the peace of God, the forgiveness of God, the goodness of God, outside of that, Many people, they never move beyond that. We were just in meetings this week with, with pastors that pastor in Las Vegas. One of their big ministries is they go into strip clubs and they preach the gospel to these women and disciple these women. Overwhelmingly, I'm talking like 95% of the girls in those situations, they're not there just for the money. They're there because something that their uncle, their preacher, their daddy, somebody did something to them years ago that they could never get beyond. And if it was just physical, they would be able to get beyond it. Kids that have that that, that 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 they've been abused, they never some of them they never get beyond this. But the world will tell you, oh, it's just physical, oh, it's just physical, oh, it just matters. Oh, Listen, that's that's not the truth. If it was the truth, then people could get beyond it. I have people in my own family that have been uh, sexually assaulted, have been raped, and and I'm telling you, it'll jack people up. Well, it's not just physical. That's why it messes them up. But praise God, through the blood of Jesus, they can totally go on and, and have re restored trust, trust in men, trust in women, trust in people in authority. That can be restored through Jesus Christ. But without Jesus, I'm telling you, it messes some people up. They're on Zoloft and Boost Bar and Prozac and stuff like that. Lithium for the rest of their life just trying to cope if they even can cope. It, it's not just physical. So, but we as, as a church, we have to stand up and say, hey man, this is the real deal. And can I just say, it's awesome. Right? I don't have a problem telling you that, that, that sex is great. It's wonderful. It's awesome. I was, you know, the title of the message, whatever, I was, it was going to be God honoring sex. But then I was like, no, man, sex is great. And then I thought, well, it's going to be great sex. And I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it, the title of the message is God honoring and great sex. And there is a such a thing as both, right? You can have both of them, and you should have both of them. And God's given us this book here just, to, just as a way of how can you have both? How can you have sex that's God-honoring, but also that's great, right? It don't have to be fuddy-duddy. Can I get some help this morning? Now, some of y'all looking at me like, don't say that. Don't say that, fuddy-duddy sex. Don't say fuddy-duddy sex. Don't say great sex in church. Listen, I'm so glad that God came up with it. And I'm so glad he didn't do it just for procreation. 
right? He, if it was just physical, if it was just procreation, it wouldn't be enjoyable. He made it enjoyable for a reason. Why? Well, because it, it drives you and your spouse together, makes you have unity and all that, and just because it's enjoyable, right? I believe God designed it to be enjoyable, and uh, sometimes the, the, the church acts like it, it can't be. I, I read one story this week that said that, uh, in, you know, in 1500s or whatever, the, the, the queen would tell the girls, just lay there and think of the queen. Yeah, I, trust me, I'm not laying there thinking of the queen. Uh, but the reason she said that is, is, is you're just doing a duty to grow the kingdom of England. You lay there, you have babies, you grow our kingdom. That's what it's all about. But I'm telling you, that's not what it's all about. She didn't make it. God made it. God defines it. He engineered it. He came up with it, and it can be great and awesome, and it should be. And so I was, I, we're just going to read chapter 4 of this, of, this, uh, of this book. You know, we've gone through the first three chapters. Now we're to chapter 4, and uh, this, this is the big event. And if you look at the last few chapters of chapter 3, Solomon has got 60 groomsmen. And they've all got swords. I mean, this is like a big wedding, right? This is not like a little, uh, a small wedding. 60 groomsmen, all these people there. And he's actually, he's taken the time, the Bible says in chapter 3, that he's carved out these chariots. He's got these guys working around the clock, building or carving these chariots. And then they're pouring silver, they're pouring gold, they're inlaying all of this chariot. He says, and I had it stitched in royal purple. And a lot of effort is gone into this ceremony. And I would say this to you, that, that, that in 2016, we have a lot of effort sometimes that goes into the ceremony itself. But while I'm doing marriage counseling, I always say, listen, the ceremony is great, but you ain't going to remember none of it. I don't remember anything. The only thing I remember about my wedding is when my wife made the corner. In other words, we got married here in Lake Charles, and when she made the corner to come down the aisle, she was looking righteous, right? I remember that like, yes, sir. That right there is about to be mine. And in a few short hours, it's really going to be mine. I remember, that's what I remember, right? I don't remember like the dance. I, th I know I danced with my mother-in-law, and it was great, I'm sure. Uh, Right, and we had a DJ. I remember the DJ played that song. Uh, Some got a big old butt. Oh yeah, I remember that. It's amazing what you remember. Like I have no idea what the caterers cooked. I don't really. I remember we we got some of the cake, and uh, we we she just called me a couple of days ago because she stopped at the same pit stop that after we got married we pulled off on the side of the road and got all the rice out of her hair and all of that type of stuff. I remember that. And uh, so all of that, the ceremony is really great. But if you don't have the, the months of preparation to find out if you're ready to get married, it doesn't matter how great the ceremony is, the, the ceremony lasts that long. So I always encourage people, listen, you need to put uh, months into uh, the marriage preparation, not the ceremony preparation. Because a ceremony it ain't going to mount to a hill of beans if your marriage busts up. So you need to spend some time working on that. Well, Solomon, he spent months having all of this stuff hand-carved and hand-laved, and now they're carrying him in on this chariot. They're carrying her in on this chariot. And if you look at the last verse of chapter 4, you can put it up there, the, the last verse of, cha of chapter 4, he's, I'm sorry, of chapter 3, he says, Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see 
King Solomon with his crown. Here he comes. He's riding in. He's got his crown on. And it says, on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. Really interesting. They said, Let's look at Solomon. There he is with his crown. He's being carried in. He's got his 60 groomsmen there. And this is the day of the gladness of his heart. And it doesn't, doesn't tell you about the ceremony, doesn't tell you about the cake or the punch, doesn't tell you what, who the, what, the, what the DJ played or what kind of dress that it wore. No, all of that apparently is pretty insignificant. The ceremony's pretty insignificant. God doesn't allude to any of it, the actual ceremony itself. I mean, I know we put a lot of emphasis on the ceremony. If you watch some of these shows, you know, these filthy rich people, you know, they spend millions and millions of dollars on the ceremony. God doesn't give us any, anything about the ceremony, but it goes straight to uh, them consummating the marriage. In other words, back then... And y'all are going to be glad that we don't do this. But back then, you would have the ceremony. And then immediately, you know, after the priest does his whatever, says, you know, before God, I do. You know, they did it obviously different than we do it. There was a chamber right there, like right there. Middle of the day, right? 11 a.m. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah, I do. Okay, well. Here is your chamber. And right then, the husband and the wife would go into this chamber while everybody's cheering. <laughs> Woohoo! Here we go! Yeah, 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 yeah! Live action. I mean, I remember Turtle Man. No joke. The chamber is right there, right? Because, why? Because you aren't married until it's consummated. We're not eating any cake. There'll be no punch. There'll be no celebration because you aren't married. We don't care what the priest said. We don't care what, uh, uh, if you sign up, if it's recorded at the courthouse. No, you're not married until you go in this chamber. So immediately, no pressure. I mean, I'm glad it's not like that anymore. Everybody's waiting for y'all. No joke. They go into this chamber, and now this is where it picks up, is once they're in the chamber. Chapter, chapter 4, verse number 1, this is where it picks up. So we're going to read a lot, of this, uh, a lot of this chapter this morning, because I, I believe that God's given us this book for a reason. And it's a book of wisdom on relationships. On this morning, it's all about sex. And uh, chapter 4, verse number 1, he says, Behold... You are fair. Now, what I'll, first thing, I'll, before we even get started, I want you to notice, if you've been here the past couple of weeks during this series, the man has not talked very much during this, for the first three chapters, like she'll talk like, talk, 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 talk. And he'll say like one verse, two verses. And then she'll talk like nine verses. Talk, 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 talk. And then he'll say like one verse or two verse. And then she'll talk, 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 talk. And then he'll say a couple things. Now he won't shut up. Watch. The whole chapter's him. Why? Because where they're at. All of a sudden, my man came alive. <laughs> my man now is like, 
You wouldn't say nothing for three chapters, and now he won't shut up. I mean, he is pouring it on. Just wanted to throw that out there just so, just so you understand who's talking here. It ain't her. She doesn't get a word in until the end of the chapter. She finally says something. The first of it is all him. What I want you to notice, though, is listen to how he talks to her. Listen to how he communicates with her. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. So she had a veil on, obviously, but now she's taken the veil off. And he says, your eyes, I can only see your eyes behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Going down from Mount Gilead. You got to understand back then there was mountains and the shepherds would take these goats up there and then they would bring them down the mountain to water. And these particular goats were black. So she's starting to let her hair down. And he's saying, your hair, when you let it down and it falls over your shoulders, is like a flock of black goats coming down the mountain. She knows exactly what he's saying. We're like, that's strange. But to her, she's like, yes. Amen, he says. He says, your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep which have come up from the washing. Teeth, got pearly white teeth, beautiful teeth. Every one of them, or every one of which bears twins, and none is barren among them. What's he saying? You got all your teeth. That's awesome. <laughs> That is amazing because a lot of these ladies walking around, they're missing some teeth, snaggle teeth. But you got all of them and they have their twin. You got both your eye teeth, all your molars, both of your little front teeth. None of them are missing and they're white like fresh washed sheep. Oh man. And he's working his way down her body, right? Because next he's going to start talking some more. And he's going to say, he's going to say, uh, your lips are like a strand of scarlet and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate and your neck is like the tower of David built for an army. He's just, he's just admiring her, right? And he is doing some talking, right? He is, he is, he just like, ooh, man, he wouldn't shut up. He's just really talking now. He says, he says, built for an armory of which a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Working his way down, he says, your two breasts are like two fawns. Don't ask me. Twins of a gazelle which feed among the lilies. Keep going. Verse 6, now watch this. He says, until the day breaks, all night long. How many of y'all remember that song? All night long. And the shadows flee away. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh. Gave him a name. And the hill of frankincense. What's the mountain and the hill? Exactly what you think it is. And my man says, all night long, this is, this is where I'm going to be with you. I don't care what them people outside and <laughs> they're waiting. They're going to be waiting all night long, darling. It's just me and you. Your first blank there, great, great sex or God honoring sex is passionate. 
passionate. And I want you to see here the way that they communicate or the way that he particularly communicates to her. If you remember in chapter 1, she says, I'm not very pretty. The sun has darkened me. My, my stepbrothers made me go out to work, work in the vineyards and my skin became dark. I'm not as beautiful as the other woman, the other women. But to, but to, to him, she was beautiful. And I'm sure she was beautiful, right? He's a king. But in her own estimation, she wasn't that beautiful. And yet here, he is just talking to her. And uh, I, the, the, the main point I want, I want to make here is that, that women have an ear gate, right? And guys have an eye gate. In other words, guys are very uh, sensory driven in, in their eyes, right? If it, if it looks good, right? I like the way that it looks. But her... She, she's very much driven by her ears. And I believe the Lord is, is teaching us here. L listen, He's given her what she needs. He, he's talking to her. He's communicating what she needs. And she's communicating and giving Him what He needs. And great sex or godly sex is not just a one person or one individual in the relationship saying, this is all about me. No, they're both going out of their way to make it all about the other person. And that's why he's talking over and over and over again, man. He's just pouring it on saying, you're this and your hair and your body and you look like this and you're amazing. And she's hearing all of this, right? All of this stuff is coming in her ears. And for her, she, she's not wearing a space suit. Right? Or like some ugly clothes, right? She, she's, she's catering to him, right? She's letting her hair down and she's showing him her. And he says, I've, I've made myself available to you. And he's given her exactly what she needs. And he's talking to her and telling her how wonderful, how beautiful, how flawless, how awesome. And there's some passion there. Right? This is not fuddy-duddy stuff. This is like, there, there's this is passion. This is not just about one individual or I'm getting my needs met. No, this is about, listen, I'm here for you. You're not here for me. In other words, my position is whenever we're in this chamber or whenever we're here together, it's not about all about me. It's all about you. And that's what makes it awesome. Or that's what, this is what God is wanting us to get, right? Because sometimes in the world that we live in, that gets flipped, I mean, I know that gets flipped. If you're a teenager, if you're a young person, if you've gone through some of these things, if you watch a lot of television, it all it gets flipped, right? We, we do what we do because it's all about us, right? That's why I told you 90% of all sex scenes on television are out of marriage. 90%. That's just television. That's not even movies. 90% of all sex scenes on television, they're out of marriage. Why? Because it's all about me, right? I mean, I do whatever I want to do. I play the field. I get, I get what I get, and then I'm gone. But listen, in God's estimation, that's not the way it is. It is, hey, listen, I'm here for you. You're not here for me. I'm here to say and for you to hear from me what you need to hear to, to be uh, so that you can be confident and comfortable with me as your spouse. That's why I'm here. And because they've got this thing going back and forth, there's some passion there, right? There's passion there. The second thing is, is let's keep going because now we're on verse 7. Verse number 7 says, You are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. King James Version says that there's no flaw in you. A great sex or God-honoring sex is, is, is you right there in your second blank, absolute trust. There's absolute trust. He says there's no flaw in you. He's not talking about uh, 
well, you, 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 you did this, or you, you let yourself go, or you did that, or da, da, da. No, no, no. She can absolutely trust what he's going to say about her body, and, and he can absolutely trust. What, what, how many of y'all know as you get older, things go south a little bit? Can't, look, can we just be real this morning? I mean, whenever you get married and you're like, oh, like, like ripped. I was never ripped. Always wanted to be ripped. But as you older, the older you get, some, some of some parts of you, they can, they just, they get older, right? Things start to gray. My wife's going to be so mad I told you this. But she said yesterday, she says, my hair is starting to get gray. That's all right, baby. That's all right, baby. You still good looking to me. I've had gray whiskers now for years. Don't feel bad. But as we get older, as we age, right, bodies change. Bodies change. In your marriage, your bodies are going to change. And yet here, he says, there's no flaw in you. There's nothing in you, about you, that I don't like. And great sex or God is where two people, they're totally comfortable with each other. Right? I'm comfortable being around you, and you're comfortable being around me. No matter what. Now, I will say this, because you know what the eye gate is for a man and you, got, you know what the ear gate is for a woman, then, then it's our responsibility as spouses, right, for me to give my wife what, what she needs. But then also, uh, both of us, we do the best we can with what we got. I mean, I know that. Like, I'm going to do the best I can with what I got, babe. We're, we're going to work hard at uh, giving each other what, what we need. But I want you to know that no matter what, there's no flaw in you. I'm not going to ridicule you. I'm not going to run you down. I'm not going to say anything about anything. No way. That would be murder of myself. I know better than that. But more than that, I don't want to. And, and, and I want her to be totally comfortable. It's not about me. It's about her. It's not just about me. It's about us. Everybody say wisdom. I'm telling you, this will help. I do a lot of marriage counseling. Uh, 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 and you just see a lot, you just see people that seem to be uncomfortable with, with each other, or somewhere, somehow they've lost their way, that, that there was a point to where that, that they were really unified, but harsh words were spoken. Harsh words, things that shouldn't have been said were said, and it planted seeds in their marriage that, that, that are, are, are growing and, and making bitter fruit. And that's not the will of God. That's not the wisdom of God. The will of God, the wisdom of God is for watch how this man talks. Watch how this woman talks. Watch how they cater to each other. And if we'll do that, like if, if I'll do what God has laid out for me to do for my wife, I'll get the results that I want, right? And, and if she'll do for me what, what God has laid out, then she'll get the results that she wants. So if we'll together as a unit, if we'll recognize in the word of God what he's saying there, and if we'll give each other what God says, instructs us, he says, listen, this is stuff that your wife needs. This is stuff that your husband needs. I've designed him that way. I made her that way. She's an emotional person. He's a physical guy. This is what he's passionate about. He's my son. I designed him that way. And if you'll not fight that, but cater to it, and if you'll receive that, and if you'll receive her the way that God designed her to be, then there'll be unity, there'll be harmony, and there can be some passion. 
right? There can be some uh, steamy. It's about to get steamy. Err, steamy err. I mean, we're just now getting starting starting to uh, get some clothes off. Parent, chit chit, parent, parent. Verse number nine. Or, yeah, we'll skip to verse number nine. Last blank. I'm gonna give you. Verse number nine. He says, "You have ravished my what." God honoring a great sex is built on commitment. Here, very interesting, she says, great, uh, she, she, he says, he's still talking, he says, you have ravished my heart. In other words, he says, I want you to know that this is not just us making out, but you have my heart. This is not just about me having your body or you having my body. I want you to know you have my heart. The next word, next couple words are weird. Don't let it bother you because then he says, my sister. Let's clear that up. Obviously, this is not his sister, right? They're not from Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> that ain't funny, is it, sis? Give me out Jeff Foxworthy. Remember that? He says, if you go to the family reunion to meet women, you might be a redneck. That ain't funny, is it, sis? He says, he says, you've got my heart, my sister. But the next two words I want you to underline. And I, I, I've, th- these, if there's anything else I feel like the Lord, he gave me these two words this week. Is he says six times over the next few verses, he says, my spouse. Nine times in the previous two chapters, he keeps calling her his darling. He says, you're my darling. You're my darling. You're my darling. Which literally meant... You're my best friend. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. Nine times in two chapters he says, You're my darling. You're my best friend. But now he switches it. And for the next six times in these next few chapters, next few verses, he says, You're my spouse. Not only are you my best friend, but you've moved beyond friendship now. And now that we're in this place, you have my heart. Not only do you have my heart, but you've ravished it. In other words, nobody else compares to what I'm giving you. You have my heart. You have my soul. That's what you have. You are my spouse. He says my sister there because I I, I believe that God wants all of us to recognize that we're each of his kids. In other words, they are brother and sister in Christ, you could say. In other words, there's been times whenever me and my wife would fight. How many of y'all, how many of y'all ever fight? Don't lie. Me, me and my wife would, would, would fight, you know. And used to in the early days, we had some pretty good fights, you know. Throwing elbows and stuff. I've maybe dodged an orange or two. Uh, just maybe. Never knives that I remember, but certainly oranges. But there were, there were times, and then I would go to pray, right? And then I'd want to go talk to the Lord. And the Lord would say, I ain't talking to you. And I'd say, whatever. And uh, I'd try to talk to the Lord, and he'd say, I'm not talking to you because of the way that you talk to my daughter. And it took a while of him talking to me like that and him showing me in Scripture that she's not just my wife, she's his daughter. And whenever I treat his daughter a certain way, I don't get the results from him that I want. 
And actually, the Bible says in, in, uh, in, in Paul's epistles, the, the New Testament, he says, he says if, you, if you don't honor your spouse uh, appropriately, he actually says, he says, your prayers are going to be hindered. In other words, God said, God said, listen, if you can't treat your spouse appropriately, I'm not going to answer your prayers. And you can pray till the cows come home. You can pray till you're, till you're, you're blue in the face. You can, play, you can pray for your teenager. You can pray for your job. You can pray for your finances. But God basically says, from my perspective, he says, your prayers are going to be hindered. Or in other words, they're not going to make it out of the room that you're in if you can't talk to and treat your spouse the right way because they're not just your spouse they're not your property they're my daughter and that's your sister same way would be true for the for the wife right if you can't talk to your husband or treat him right or honor him or respect him you can pray till the cows come home but God says your prayers are hindered they're not going to make it out of the room that you're in because you're not treating my son or my daughter appropriately here he calls her he says you're my sister I recognize listen you're not just my spouse, but you're also his daughter, and I need to treat you accordingly. But for the next six times, he says this over and over again. He calls her spouse, not, not darling, not best friend, even though they are still friends. And me and my wife, we're best friends, but she's my wife. She's my spouse, and I have a responsibility to cover her, protect her, fight for her, take a bullet for her, whatever it takes. Listen, you are my spouse. We ride and die. Remember that? Old school, right? We ride and die, baby. Me and you, no matter what. The kids aren't first place, you're first place. My job's not first place, you're first place. The church is not first place, you're first place. You are my spouse. I told you, he is catering to her ear gate. How many of y'all know what she's thinking right now? You about to get some loving. You told me how beautiful I am over and over and over again. Now you're telling me I have your heart. You recognize me as a child of God. We're co-heirs together of the grace of God. That's who we are. And you're committed to me. I'm your spouse over and over and over again. Yes, dear. I said all of that. And I meant it. Well, good, let's see what's going on now. You've ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You've ravished my heart with one look of your eyes and with one link of your necklace. How fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfumes than all spices. Your lips, oh my spouse, they drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Don't use that in 2016. <laughs> you want to avoid that one. You want to say like a bad bath and beyond or something. Eucalyptus spearmint or something. Lebanon, I wouldn't go there, y'all. Just wouldn't. But she smells good, right? He's telling her, he's telling her, you're, you're, may you ravish my heart. But look, look. She, she understands, or God understands, or God is wanting us to understand that, that we're geared and we're wired differently, right? Certain things may turn a woman on, right? And then there's certain things that turn a man on. And they're giving each other both of them, right? 
My girl's got all her teeth. Ow! Smelling good, showered, bathed, let the hair down. And then he's just like telling her, I mean, he's just like bearing his soul saying, listen, you're, you're amazing. You're, you're wonderful. You're, you're flawless to me. Every part about you. Don't be insecure about anything. I, I, you're my spouse. You're the one that I want to be with. And she's smelling all good. Verse number 12, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. She is a spring that shut up, a fountain sealed. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with precious fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard and spikenard and saffron and calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes. He's getting all worked up. Can't you just see him? He's just like, oh, you got all these spices and cinnamon. and ah! He's just like, man, he is just loving it, right? With all the chief spices... A fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. Fifteen verses, man, he's been pouring it on. And now here, com- here comes her. Last verse of the whole chapter, right? She's been silent the whole time. But she's going to reward my man. He says, she says, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south. Blow upon my garden that its sp- spices may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. Yes, sir. (laughs) Let the church say amen. (laughs) After all of that, man, there's some commitment there, man, some trust there. There's some passion there just pouring it on. The ear gate is full. The eye gate is full. Everything is like brimming up just over the top and then she says come to mama (laughs) come to mama now and I gotta close but uh, chapter 5 verse number 1 now they're, 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 they're about to walk out of the chamber all this has been taking place in the chamber everything's been happening the consummation of the marriage has all taken place in this chamber. Now they're officially married in the eyes of God. That's why it's not just physical. Whenever, whenever, you, uh, whenever you're with someone, it's not just like, oh, it's totally natural, oh, it's totally physical, there's nothing, blah, 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 blah. In the eyes of God, you left a piece of you there. They, they have a piece of the, their soul ties there. And I don't say that to like condemn you like, oh, blah, blah. no, this is, the whole, I told you at the beginning, the whole series is about uh, your next steps, not your last steps. The whole series is about hope and going forward and, and making right decisions as we go on. It has nothing to do with, with what's behind. Uh, but but now, now they're married, and he says, he says, I've come to my garden, my sister, my what? My spouse. You're my wife. I've gathered my myrrh and my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. He's like, thank you. You are wonderful. You are amazing. And now they exit out of the chamber. And I want to mention that because the, next, because the, the rest of that verse is, Eat, O oh friends, drink, yes, drink deeply, O oh beloved ones. And now the reception picks up. So they walk out of the chamber after all of this stuff has taken place. And then they go out and they make an announcement to the friends. 
They say, hey, everybody, we're officially married. It is finished. Now you can come eat, drink. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. And in that culture, depending upon how wealthy you are, they would have a reception that would last three days, a reception that would last seven days. And in, in something like this as a king, they would have a reception for 30 days. There would be a 30-day reception, a celebration of this huge event that took place. And now he's out. He says, let's, let's celebrate. And I want you to know that God celebrates whenever we have unity with our spouse, his way. Whenever we have God-honoring sex and we have great sex, we have passionate, committed, loving, secure with one another. Whenever we're treating each other appropriately, we're talking to each other appropriately, we're, 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 we're viewing each other as not just, you know, my old lady, right, my old man. Whenever we're viewing each other as that's a daughter of God, that's a man of God, we're, we're, we're a couple in God's army. We're used by Him. We're passionate about each other. We're raising our kids together. We're, we're doing this. We're doing that. But God, He celebrates that, right? He says, man, go in that chamber, y'all. Ow! If you could hear God this morning, He'd say, ow! Y'all go in that chamber. Nothing wrong with that chamber. That chamber is a good place. But He says, I define the chamber. Right? I define what it is. I define who goes in there, and I set the parameters. Once you're in there, you, do, you just have a ball. But, but it's not somebody else's to define or design or come up with or manipulate it or alter it. Or, or No, he says, I gave you a book on it, and I'm telling you, it's great, awesome, wonderful, have fun. It's going to be beautiful. I made it the way that I made it so that you would enjoy it, and it would be wonderful and pleasurable. But it's mine. I designed it, not anybody else. So I'm going to close. We're going to pray together. I know this is kind of a, and I asked the Lord as I was driving over this morning, I said, Lord, how you want to close this thing out? Because, uh, and he says, well, tell him to go have fun. Just kidding, he didn't say that. But I'm telling you, just, just go enjoy your spouse. There you go. But really, the, the specifically, uh, the Lord said that there are people that say, man, I, I don't have this, or I, I, I've never experienced this. Listen, I want you to know that, that my wife and I, uh, we, just, we, we, we went through some rough patches in our marriage. I'll tell you, I mean, people think, oh, you're pastoring, you do this and that. I'm telling you, we went through some difficult times in our marriage where, where I wasn't giving her what she needed, ear gate wise, right? I wasn't affirming to her. I wasn't giving her my heart. I wasn't opening up to her. I wasn't, I wasn't being what she needed to, to me, me to be. And because of that, then she wasn't giving me what I needed. And I'm not talking about just sexually, but I'm saying just in marriage, we just weren't clicking very well. But God, God's a restorer. And, and, and you may be sitting here and saying, well, number one, I'm single or I'm widow. You may be saying, I'm retired from this department. I showed up at church today because I wanted to see my church family, but I am officially retired. Wherever you're at on, on this spectrum, we all have a part to play in the voice that we have about it. In other words, in society, we as a church, we need to have a voice concerning these things. But also, where, wherever you're at... It, God wants to keep you and restore you and give you the, the right wisdom so that you can make good choices and you can go forward and be happy.